Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. You heard it. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish as they did. In case we didn't catch it the first time, Jesus says it again. Unless you repent, you will perish as they did. Now, before you tune out or walk out or leave offended or worse, shamed, let's unpack this for just a few moments together. This week, some of you may have caught the podcast with Bishop Curry and our own Jay Sidebotham. As many of you know, Jay is the founder of Renewal Works and the co-creator of My Way of Love, which some of you may know the name Renewal Works for me. Although Jay's material has been presented here at St. James a couple of times, many of you may not be familiar with it. But the program is designed to help folks grow following seven practices for a Jesus-centered life all of which help us grow in love for God, neighbor, and for ourselves. And the very first one is turn, or to repent. The seven practices, some of you may be able to say them with me. They're, um, let me look at them. Turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest one I personally fail most of the time. But each is worth their own homily or their own moment of study. But today in our gospel lesson, Jesus calls us to turn or to repent. There are many who read this passage and suppose that Jesus' statements were warnings about perishing in hell after death They used the follow-up parable in the fig tree getting chopped down to back up the position. While I admit the passage is a bit obscure, the context doesn't lead to a hellfire and brimstone type of thinking. The parable is set in a vineyard with a fig tree, a place where things are nurtured and grow. Ironically, the audience who is with Jesus is wrestling with the same types of questions we wrestle with today, questions of how to deal with morality, disaster, and justice. Those on Jesus' journey are trying to make sense out of the unthinkable. Pilgrims have been slaughtered while on pilgrimage to Jerusalem by the government no less. A building in Siloam has crushed 18 people. And in response to the question about justice, Jesus assures them that these Galileans who were slaughtered were not worse sinners than anyone else there. And neither were the 18 in Siloam more blameworthy to be crushed than anyone else in the area. 
The manner in which someone dies does not indicate their righteousness or their lack of it. You can spend five minutes over at New Hanover Hospital and know that. But he threw this in, not only once, but twice, unless you repent. You will perish the same way they did. Thus, the point of tension. And Paul's reading didn't help us any. In the My Way of Love curriculum, turn or repent means to stop, go in a different direction, to reorient our lives with God's agenda. Moses, in our Exodus reading that Francis read, was keeping the flock. When he saw that strange bush, he said, I must turn aside to see. And when he turned aside, when he reoriented toward God, it was then that God called him to step in to holy ground. If that's the case, rather than Jesus telling them about what would happen when they die, could his message to the people possibly been that unless you give up on your current agendas of fighting with tools of war, rebellion, upheaval, the same thing is going to happen to you. The consequences of our, cho- uh, our choices, the way we treat the environment, the war, the build- buildings crumble. Jesus is offering them another way. Only turning from, repenting of their own agendas to fight and turning toward as Bishop Parsley just talked to us back in uh, the Christian Formation Hour, of turning toward God, it was then that God called him, that it was there to find another way. And so only doing that, turning toward that kingdom of love, which is, that kingdom of God, which is the way of love, that they, that we can be saved from the evil that surrounds us. Eric Rebetto, writer for Christian Century, says, Repentance acknowledges that God can redeem, that God can set things right, and that God can make whole. The section of Luke where we find our story today is in the middle of what's often referred to as the travel narrative. If you read the entire narrative from chapters 9 to 19 in one sitting, you can feel that urgency and know that time is of the essence. Throughout Jesus' journey, he's been proclaiming the good news to the poor. He's given sight to the blind, healed the sick. He's proclaimed freedom to people in bondage. And the parable of the fig tree in our segments illustrates more of that urgency. That unfruitful tree has used up soil long enough. There's still people to be healed and many more who need to be freed from whatever bondage has them imprisoned. And Jesus doesn't have much time remaining on earth. From the very beginning of Jesus' life, the political powers have been threatened by him. Herod's father has already tried to kill him in his infancy. Now Herod's son, Herod Antipas, 
fears that Jesus is going to usurp him politically. Even his followers expect and want him to overthrow Rome. But Jesus' ministry is not about that. And it's a difficult concept sometimes to grasp when all you want to do is fight. Last week, we heard how Jesus so wanted to gather Jerusalem like a mother hen gathers her chicks. Not fight Rome. The parable of the fig tree points us in another direction. A direction that's mixed with patience and urgency and mercy. And we have to be real careful here not to predetermine who represents God in this parable. Because the interpretations are all over the place, which it's interesting. The landowner's desire to use the resources in a manner that yields more fruit and profits. That's a good approach. It makes perfect sense. The gardener appreciates that landowner's motives and also wants to see the trees producing fruit. They agree on the outcome, but they differ on the time and the tactic for success. How often we do the same thing. We make our plans and expect God to bless them. Sometimes he does. Other times we may need to ask ourselves what in our life if lives are not bearing fruit in keeping with Jesus' agenda and of peace. Where in our lives do we need to turn and repent, go another direction? If you've been keeping up with our Lenten journals, uh, Lenten devotionals, you know that Edward Thompson wrote just this morning, he quoting uh, Kenny Rogers of we just, some of us need to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. If you haven't gotten one of the Lenten guides there, I still saw a few in both places. But Lent provides us an opportunity to pause and evaluate all the unproductive trees in our lives and ask ourselves what part of our ministries are not bearing fruit. What struggling areas of our lives need more attention? And all throughout Lenten and some of our studies, we've been asked over and over to discern when it's time to stop giving energy to a project, a relationship, even a great program that will likely never produce fruit. Is there an area where an adjustment of how you think and act might invite new growth. Pruning, weeding, weaning, digging into the hurtful parts of our lives can be painful, but if we try it, we may just find abundance in areas we would never expect. Hopefully, we'll discover that God is not bent on destroying relationships or figs or anything but on loving them and watching them thrive. Like the landowner and the gardener, we share that common goal. We just want fresh figs. Even if we differ on the speed and the particulars of how we arrive there. Jesus, I want to leave you with Jesus was not 
interested in their destruction. But he also didn't mince words as he told them to repent, turn, reorient their lives, move away from their own agendas, turn, and follow that way of love, which was a way of peace. Amen.